Episode two of Summer of Terry. Last week, I interviewed Adam Kaplan. I said, I don't know what I'm going to call this show. I ended up just going through my files, and I found actually a mutual friend of ours, Jordan, who designed this logo for me. I had made like three years ago because a friend of mine, he had said uh, I had I had lost my job at Rogers. Uh, <laughs> I had split up with my ex. I had sold a house. So like I just spent the whole summer playing golf. So all my friends were calling it the summer of Terry. So I asked Jordan to make a graphic for me. I paid him for it and uh, he made it. And then as I was going through my files, I was looking for it. And I was like, you know what? That's perfect for the show. We'll call it summer of Terry episode two with, um, with John McQueen, one of our, uh, one of our bloggers at, at uh, hot sauce sports. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. Happy to see your face again. Happy to be on the show. Uh, I love the name. The summer of Terry seems appropriate. So yeah, we're going to have golf gear, everything. I think that's what we're going to go for. Because awesome. it's cool. It's a little palm tree. You know, I can make something out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think like golf gear, like maybe like a polo or maybe like a like a crew neck, you know, something yeah. like that or a quarter zip, like a Ooh. nice like a nice quarter zip. I think I can probably come up with that. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Summer of Terry. Summer of Terry. Uh, so what's new with you, man? What's uh, what have you been up to? Like what's uh, what's what's the life been living in Calgary with that deep playoff run? Uh, it was nice, I guess, you know, for Flames fans, a little bit shorter than we would have liked. Um, it was cool because uh, we had a lot of like internal rivalries going on uh, where I'm working right now. We have an office up in Edmonton, so a lot of friendly wagers and stuff going on, which was fun. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Flames because it's it's honestly going to go one of two ways. They're going to blow it up depending on what happens with Goudreau and Tuchuk or, you know, maybe they try and run it back. Uh, and try and squeeze every last bit they can out of this core. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. It, uh, the longer it goes without Johnny signing, the more nervous I think the fan base is getting. But, um, man, he had a ridiculous season this year, and, and if he wants to get paid, now's the time. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. You think they would pay him? You think Philadelphia wouldn't come up with a better offer? That's Yeah, see, that's kind of the question is, like, do I think Philly could, would, would try and beat it? Probably. Um the Flames are pretty high up against the cap if they were to try and sign both guys. Um, if you ask me, I think that you you should be going all in on Johnny. And if if Tuchuk is the the casualty in that sense, it's unfortunate. But he's a great grinder, great complimentary top line player. He's got a hell of a shot. And I mean, he put up points this year. You can't take that away from him. But I just think that as he ages and as the game develops, he's not going to be able to keep up with the pace of play. No. Um, and you won't have that issue with Johnny. He he's a perennial just skill guy. Um, he's quick, smart. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but if you have to, if if it came down to one of the two, I think it's got to be Johnny, or else they're going to get rid of both. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's fucking he's too good, man. He's just so sick. He's just such a sick athlete, and you can you know, and you can't lose a talent like that. And I think that Calgary. For a long time, they've been waiting for a star like that. You know, I mean, Camilleri was the last one I can really remember. That was yeah, like, like Camilleri or Aginla. Yeah. Like, yeah, once Aginla, they lost Aginla, like, it kind of, they never really had that true dominant presence. Um, and Johnny's kind of that that next guy to take that that torch, I would say. So, um, yeah, I really hope to get something done with him. Yeah, you know what? And it's fun. Um, it's fun to have all these Canadian teams back in kind of back in the mix, you know, and it's, you know, seeing Oilers and the Oilers and going to the West, the Western Conference Championship and then beating Calgary, you know, it was in seven. Or I think it was in six. Still was a fantastic series. You know, you have Montreal. They're not fresh off, but, you, you know, they're building for something. Toronto is 
is the team that we know them to be, which is going to be a sick regular season team. Winnipeg, same thing. You know, they're still a gutty team. New coach now, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, did they sign somebody, actually? Did they get a coach yet? I know Barry Trotz refused. No. Yeah, Barry Trotz kind of said he's he's not really looking to get into the coaching game right now. So oh, I think they're man. yeah, I think they're back to the table. So yeah, and there's that that Ottawa's kind of like up and coming, but we'll see what happens with them. They've you know, they've had a few front office changes as well. Uh who am I missing? I think it's pretty they also just got uh, approved for uh, a potential relocation into LeBreton Flats. So oh okay. If they if they can get that, I'm sure that it'll kind of It'll put some pressure on on the front office to to put together a team that will make it worth um, investing all the money into a brand new facility. Yeah, I mean, because you always have to have public money, right, from any kind of support because you're still representing the team, right? So they need to have a financial say in what's going on with the team. So, I mean, with the stadium. So we'll yeah. see what happens with Ottawa, but I don't know. I'm, I, I was kind of – if I was a new kid turning in, tuning in to watch hockey and I didn't have a team in my city – I said that Ottawa might be a team that you can jump on just because they had some such good young talent like Norris and Batherson and Stutzla and Kachuk, obviously. Um, yeah, you have Anderson coming up next year. Just name it. They have so many studs coming up, so Ottawa's going to be interesting to watch. They might build a little rivalry with Montreal because they're kind of more or less yeah. in the same boat, you know? And um, So, yeah, but we'll get into, like, a NHL recap. The playoffs mostly, uh, Avs win. Uh, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 2001, since Ray Bork. Uh, was Ray Borg 96 or 2001? 2001. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, and they do it, man. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, the invincible Tampa Bay Lightning, the Lightning that everybody thought. I thought every time every time they lost the game, I'm like, I can't wait for Tampa to win four straight. I can't wait for them to win. Two yeah. And it just, you know, you're expecting it to happen because that's just how Tampa Bay is built. Yeah. They're, they're just, they were a well-oiled machine, man. They knew what they were doing. Um, I think that injuries probably caught up to them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, no point is a massive blow. Sorelli, you can tell, is playing injured. Like, I haven't seen the official list. I know it came out today, but I'm I'm going to assume that that was a long. pretty long list. It's long. You have Nick Paul, uh, yeah. Sorelli, Cogliano, Kucherov, um, obviously Point. Um, I think Hedman was on the list too. Uh, they all had some sort of MCL, ACL uh, sprain, AC joint this that like all these just nagging injuries you know and and then top it all off point who's their guy their playoff guy and yeah he tears his quad against toronto and what else can you do you know saturday visit yeah exactly it's tough man it's tough it's tough but we have a new dynasty i guess i mean maybe a potential dynasty in the colorado avalanche i think that this team is for what i mean i, I remember seeing a meme i don't know if it was a meme it was just an image and it was uh it was a picture of uh, eric johnson I always get confused. I don't know if it's Eric Johnson or Jack Johnson. I'm going to say Eric Johnson. I feel like he's the one that's been there for the longest. Him, yeah. Landis Cog, McKinnon, and they're just standing there. And it's like these guys were on the same team in 2016 when they went 17 and 48, you know? When they yeah. went, uh, four, no, sorry, when they had 48 points. 48 and, points. Yeah. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, like you just build around somebody. And I was explaining to my girlfriend, Landis Cog, and she's like, oh, I, I don't, I've never really heard of him. And she has like a, she remembers names. It's crazy. And she's like, I haven't heard of him. And uh, I was like, Landis Cog is like the best kept secret probably in the NHL. Like, the people don't really talk about how good he is and what the impact that he had on that organization. Yeah, he's not that flashy kind of draw your attention, especially when you got guys like McKinnon and McCarr on the ice with you. But yeah. he's like that perfect, just skilled utility player that you can plug and play anywhere in that lineup. And he just makes his line better. Anywhere, anywhere you would put him, anywhere you would put him, he would 
absolutely dominated. And that's that's just how he is. He's such a good leader, too. And then you add McKinnon, Rantanen, and Kadri, you know, for what he said after the game that he was yeah. everybody that was that said he was a liability. I mean, a lot he can't get mad at people for saying that. No, no. And, and you know what? Playoffs, he got tossed for the entire he got sussy for the Oh entire. yeah. And he he definitely like I was super impressed with him from start to finish. Like not even just his playoff DC year, this entire season. Um, but just the way that he was able to kind of not slip back into some of those old patterns where he was getting himself suspended. He just kind of just kept himself going and, and he didn't take any dumb penalties, didn't put his team in any disadvantages. And I mean, the fact that he came back from a broken thumb in three weeks, like, you know, he wanted it. Yeah. I mean, and he, I think he had a huge chip on his shoulder and he had to prove a lot of people wrong. And and he did. And that whole team did, I think. And, you know, I'm, I've been a hater on. I'm not a hater of Makar. I think I need to get this on the fucking. <laughs> people on Twitter do not understand my my sarcasm. Okay, <laughs> so I think that Makar is the, the best defenseman we've seen in a really long time. I'm just gonna say it. It's just a fact. It is what it is. But everybody's giving him all these awards when he can be the best defenseman that we've seen in a long time and not deserve every award. Okay, the Smythe. I can't, I can't deny it. I mean, eight goals and 21 assists for a defenseman. The guy played unbelievable. He played the most minutes. Like, it's just, he, he had an amazing playoff. Kudos to him. Take it. My issue with Makar is the Norris trophy. I mean, I, I really feel like Roman Yossi should have won that trophy. I, it doesn't make any sense to me how he didn't lead in any of the categories and he still won the division. He still won the trophy while Yossi, who had the f- most first place votes, didn't win the trophy. That just boggles my mind. Yeah, that that one was a shocker. I, I I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I really thought that this year was going to be Yossi's year for the Norris to be able that's to do deep. what he did. Yeah, that's like th- well, that's a thing. I I wonder if part of it is the fact that like the wording for the award doesn't have that most valuable to your team that like the heart has. I guess so. That's... Maybe they're just trying to go based on purely statistical and like the eye test. But yeah, even then, I mean. And then anyway, yeah, to see what he yeah. did just with, with a little bit of the scoring support up front that Makar had relative to, to Yossi. Like, Forsberg had a great season. Duchesne had a nice season. Um, but at the end of the day, like, when you compare the firepower of McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, Kadri, uh, Landeskog, like, there's there's a sizable difference in, in those two kind of in those two groups of, of players. So that's why I'm kind of like you. I thought it was going to be Yossi for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it should have been. And, you know, and McCarr had a fantastic season, and they don't want to ignore that, and I get that. But when I see Yossi getting four or three third-place votes, that just, to me, or fourth-place votes, whatever it was, that just, to me, was... It showed you how dumb this voting system that we have in sports is. I don't understand yeah. why there can't just be a committee and not, like, just like a committee of, like, maybe 10 to 15 people a committee they make their decisions on that and it's ex players maybe a current player you know maybe a current coach a current gm a committee instead yeah. of all the journalists from all their hometowns that are just going to vote for the teams that they cover you know what i mean like it's just it, it just it, it's a broken system it's a broken system it's like the electoral college that's yeah i like that comparison i like it eh? and Me and politics. <laughs> solving the world's problems <laughs> one stupid tweet at a time you know, <laughs> people actually people actually think that i'm chris chelios like i'll i'll screenshot my tweets sometimes when i'm messing with people and i'll send it out and then um i'll send it out to my buddies they'll be like they're like what the hell's chris chelios problem I'm like that's me man like that's i'm 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 chris chelios that picture of him <laughs> and my dad i'll never forget it I, i've had that picture for years it's like the one picture i would keep 
Like I'd probably go to go to bed with it. I go I go to my coffin with it. Just keep that fucking picture. I don't want anybody else to touch it. Yeah. My yeah. dad and Chris shows. And of course, my dad's better looking than Chris shows. That's for sure. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, dig- I digress. So what are we looking at for the abs like going forward? Are they going to be this dynasty? I mean, who's not going to sign? Who's going to sign the next couple of years? What's the situation? Man? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Um, they've got a you know a decent amount of cap space. Um, they've got like the main part of their core locked up um, for like the pursuit of future, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I still think that they're probably going to be on the hunt for a goalie, um, but they're probably going to kind of approach in a similar sense that Toronto did, like trying to maximize value of a contract to try and just get the most out of a, out of a goalie. Um, I, I kind of expected a little bit more from Kemper this year, given yeah. like the roster he was playing behind. Not to say that he had a bad season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a Stanley Cup champ. Can't say anything negative about him at this point, but he just really wasn't that game breaker that he had kind of really shown flashes of with Phoenix, but you know, diff- way, way, way different circumstances in that point. But um, goalies, honestly, they, like, they, they play different when they're in, 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 depending on the situation. I mean, like if you take Jake Allen as a backup role, he's one of the best. But if you put him at the starter role, he might not play as well. And it's, I guess it's the same thing with Kemper, where he's like, if I have to be the last guy in Phoenix, right? If he had to be the last guy to make that save and he's the only reason, he probably has this, cl- this click that just turns the switch that turns on. And he's just going to shut it down. But when he plays for Colorado, he knows that he can let in one or two muffins, and and then the team is just going to. That's take it. it. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that definitely. Like I always kind of wondered about that too. Is like maybe is it just the fact that he's playing on Arizona that pressure of winning isn't nearly as intense as it is when you're on a parent like on a Stanley Cup contending team, um, and not to mention like he's probably just facing a lot more shots on net in general within when he's playing for the uh, the Coyotes. So it probably just gets him more mentally invested in the game. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit to do with it. But regardless, you know, I just I just thought that we'd see a little bit more out of Kemper this year. Yeah. Um, and one thing, though, too, that um, with Colorado, at least, um, they did all this without Sam Girard. Um, people just, I, a good call, yeah. you know, like he, he was kind of just forgotten because of just the insane skill level that, that they have uh, in Colorado. But... Man, you bring him back into the fold next year. You give Bowen Byram another year to mature. Oh man, um, he's so good. Yeah, like they're gonna he's have so a super good top four um, that honestly any goalie can play behind, and they're still gonna have that elite top six. I mean, if they can re-sign Kadri and make the money work, that would be awesome. I think that they're probably gonna lose Nachushkin. Uh, I'm so bad yeah. at pronouncing his name, but <laughs> Nachushkin. Yeah, he's gonna gonna want to get paid, uh, <laughs> and I don't blame him. So I mean, after it, the playoff he had, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, it kind of, to me, part of it may just boil down to, like, what kind of depth for do they want more? Do they want to resign yeah. uh, Lekkanen or do they want to resign Nechuskin? And, like, what, what, how much are they willing to commit to that? Um, I mean, we'll see what I, they do. I mean, they were able to get Taves for, what was it, a second round, for a second round? Two seconds, yeah. That, yeah. That, I think that's, like, their best move that they've made, other than drafting oh, yeah. Lekkanen. Yeah. Yeah, their their list of trades over the last couple of years is just like it, it's so funny to have that revisionist history aspect or like that point of view so that you can see just how badly like this highway robbery was. It's crazy, man. I mean, I just it's you got to love it, though, because they're they built they weren't a team that just like, you know, just signed a bunch of players that, you know, they try to build something and. You know, they built something for a long time. Like I mentioned before, you know, they were on that team in 2016 with 48 points. But we'll see what happens with them. Who was uh, who was like a big surprise for you in the playoffs so all across the board, all 16 teams? Player, um, or team? player or team? That is a good question. Um, I'm going to 
I'll say Edmonton was probably a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, and it's strictly just because I didn't see them even beating LA personally. I, when I kind of try and predict my brackets when, 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 the, when the playoffs start, I base a lot of what I do on goaltending and I base a lot of what I do on centers. And they've got the centers. Um, I just, I really didn't believe in Mike Smith, but the level of play that McDavid had, like that was just ridiculous. Like seeing it live too. I got to watch, I was, uh, I got to watch game five in person. Like my brother and I bought tickets for that game and it was absolutely insane. Like McKinnon just kind of imposed his will and it didn't really, or uh, sorry, McDavid just imposed his will. And like, it didn't matter how you tried to stop him. He just refused to be stopped. And even in game five, he's unbelievable. Yeah. In game five, if you go back to that game, for 65 minutes, Calgary had his number. They didn't give him an inch. He was completely shut down. And it's literally with a player like that, it took one moment where he just had like this three feet of space and he just he ended the series because that's how good he is. He's unbelievable, man. And he just turns it on. And oh, yeah. people don't realize. I mean, I say this all the time. I think he's the most talented hockey player I've ever seen play. Yeah. And he I don't know if he'll ever come close to Gretzky's numbers, but if he even smells close to Gretzky's numbers in terms of points or assists, I'm considering him the best player in the history of hockey. Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, as of right now, like, I would, Gretzky's number one, you can't deny it, but, like, you always have that little thing for Mario Lemieux. Like, that's just the way I am. You know, I kind of have yeah, this thing, I'm like, the same way. if he had played as long, would he be, would he be close to Gretzky? And they played in the same era, so, I mean, more or less the same era. So, yeah. it would be interesting to see it would have been interesting to see like well, how how far Lemire can go, and now we're seeing it with McDavid, and maybe we're going to see Ovechkin come close to breaking that goals record. Which I don't think he will. Uh, this year was a big year for him to like kind of like bridge the gap, and I don't think he did. Um, but it's interesting to see like the kind of the, like the way the landscape of like the the best point, the most points of all time, and we don't have anybody. I think there's only two in the top fifty that are active right now, and it's Ovechkin and Kane. Probably Ovechkin and Crosby. Oh, Crosby. I know Ovechkin and, and Crosby Evander are like Kane. neck and neck, yeah. And, yeah, and then Evander or, uh, Kane. What about Crosby? Patrick Kane, you mean? Uh, sorry, Patrick Kane. I mean, if, yeah. if Evander Kane was on that, that'd be pretty <laughs> fucking intense. Yeah, Patrick Kane, I think he's on there too. But uh, it just it just goes to show, man, like how different hockey is today. And for McDusty to be able to do what he's doing, hey, man, McKinnon, the same thing. The way they can take it end-to-end with such speed and just make one flip of the hip and – all of a sudden, the defenseman's jockstrap is in the upper deck, eating with me, fucking steamies, and, yeah. <laughs> and fucking, and they're just burying it, going top shelf with two inches to spare in front of the goalie. It just, it doesn't make any sense that these guys are operating at that level. And that's the way I always felt about Tampa Bay as a unit, like Tampa Bay as a unit. And I was rooting for them for the most part. But then my girlfriend made me go for Colorado because she said she's a Colorado Avalanche fan since she was a kid. So I said, <laughs> okay, well, root for the Avalanche. But I, I kind of was rooting for Corey Perry. I wanted him to get his cup. Um, and even though like he got the cup in his rookie year with Getzlaff, I feel like it's not the same. No. Yeah. That's true. It, it's different when you're kind of like that young, kind of, you know, full of piss and vinegar kid that's trying to make a name for yourself versus being like, the established NHL vet who's just trying to get one more before he retires. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I mean, and that's Corey Perry. We're talking Hall of Fame. We're talking Getzlaff Hall of Fame. I mean, these guys are first ballots for sure. Uh, I'm going to throw a question to you that I heard on the radio today with our friends uh, Sean Campbell and Mitch Gallo, and they asked um, what what hall what player isn't in the Hall of Fame that you think should be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I mean, 
I, this, I think this answer might be a little bit obvious at this point because he's been his name's been thrown around. I think you threw it around too. Is McGillney? He's the, um, he's the one. Yeah, I think it's just the one that I think. Gets. I think he should be in there. Um, I think there's also some arguments to be made for a couple other guys. Um, I would have loved. Yeah, I mean, I also would have loved to see um, Keith to chuck it in there, um, just for the big wall, the way that he played. Yeah, he was just a machine. He could do it all. Um, he was a heavy player that had that scoring touch that I just loved watching him when I was a kid. Um, I met him once. He is a wide human being. Yeah, I, I would not. Take. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> if he decides to go through you, he's going through you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's it. Yeah, wow. Keith Kachuk was one of my favorites growing up. Man, I loved him. He was so good. When I found oh, yeah. out he, well, he was American, I liked him even more. I don't know why. I feel like it was kind of like because you know how I am. I always like the kind of like the badass. I felt like the Americans are always like the, just like the badass team, you know. Yeah. Like, was there wasn't a lot of like pure skill like they had Medano and Pat Lafontaine. No, Pat, Pat Lafontaine was American, was he? Pretty sure. I believe so. Yeah. Dale Howard Chuck was he American or I feel like he was. I mean Doug, uh, Phil Housley, you know uh, Brian Leach, Mike Richter. You know you kind of had like those guys, you know, and I was a big fan of that style. And yeah, um, so when like I just always rooted for USA if it wasn't for Canada. And then I jumped on the Finnish bandwagon. I'm a kind of a fin- pseudo Finland fan, Finland hockey yeah. fan. Why not? Why not? It was, it was easy to be a pseudo uh, Finland fan in Montreal when you got Koivu. Yeah, exactly, man. I love Koivu for so many years. I actually had yeah. on my. Uh, I did like one of those stupid Facebook things. It's like every day share an athlete or whatever. So like for ten days, I shared like athletes that I that I liked fall, uh, growing up and. Today actually was Saku Kovu's when I put up Saku nice. because I was there his last game. I was there when he came back when he was playing for Anaheim. I watched him in Anaheim against against Montreal. I have a jersey uh, with the C on it. It was an old it was an old Habs jersey that I had them put the C and Koivu 11 on it on his last day when he came to nice. Montreal to play with Anaheim on that day. And I had it done. And it was, I'm, I was always a huge fan of Koivu, always. I mean, I don't think you, oh, yeah. anybody can say they didn't like him. And apparently no. he had a huge wrench on him. <laughs> that's the rule. That's that's <laughs> the rumor. yeah. Um, but a few of his, uh, I guess they're not Scandinavian, but we'll call them Scandinavian Patriots. Sedins, they're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Roberto Luongo as well, and Daniel Offertson. So, uh, four players, two Canadian teams, no Stanley Cups amongst the four of them, but they had Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, and I think that we're probably going to start seeing that become a little bit more of the norm now with mm-hmm. with guys getting into the Hall of Fame, just with the way that the game's built. Like they. We're starting to get into the guys who played in the cap era and, and like the era of parody sort of thing, right? So, um, I mean, you can still make the argument that the 2011 Canucks may go down as one of the best regular season teams in history. And they fell one game short, you know? And, and if they win that one game, if they win game seven, um, does that change the narrative of the way that we perceive their career? Maybe. It also changes the way we look at the city of Boston. I mean, they haven't won yeah. a ship since, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... They they were one game they were right there they didn't they didn't pull it off but I still think that they absolutely deserve to be there. Um, I think Alfredson is just that low key guy that just he like carried that city for so long and that franchise for so long that it's great to see him get that recognition. Um, he's like great Mike to see him. He's like Mike Medano. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I always compared them to. I don't know why. Like, I just feel like they were big guys. You know, they were able to score. Uh, very respected, well-respected, like locker room guys, leaders, uh, stayed with one team for most of their career. Um, oh, the Babcock story to Mike Madano. Have you ever, did you hear that story? No. So I, he has like, he had like a milestone to get to like 1500 games played or something like that, or a thousand games played, whatever it was. And he was playing with the Detroit Red Wings. 
and Mike Babcock uh, healthy scratched him for no reason on his last game of his career to beat to, to pass the record. Just not even just to hit the milestone. It wasn't even a record. Healthy scratch. Yeah. Anyway. That's 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 brutal. Let's talk. Let's talk positively about Alfredson. Yeah, <laughs> Alfredson, Heatley, and Spezza. Like, are is he, are Heatley and Spezza going to get? I don't think so. But Spezza has more. Of a yeah, he, Heatley definitely not. Spezza maybe he's got a case. Um, I I would have to look at his numbers again, but that'd be interesting to see. Um, you know, he he had a good career as well. Um, oh yeah, he had like these weird kind of fluctuations. I think a little bit too is this he had like a couple of missed seasons and then a couple of just absolutely out of these world out of this world seasons. Um, Spets has a, he's a he's a he's a stall brother. I always felt like he was kind of like in the same way. It's like you never knew kind of where he was playing, but you knew yeah. he was there. Yeah, like exactly. He always like he would just be like at you know fifty points, maybe forty. You know, he'll be around there. Like I always felt he was like an like a Jordan Stall esque like kind of player. Yeah, and the thing too is like I don't know about you, but when, when I think of Spezza, there's one moment in my entire lifetime that I'll never forget. The and that's when he absolutely walked Sheldon Surrey in <laughs> overtime. Yeah, of course. Of Surrey course. just he went for the massive the, the massive check center ice in overtime, and I was like, that's not the person to do it against. Not Jason that's also, Spezza. It's also Sheldon Surrey. It's not the person to try to attempt to make these things. I love Sheldon, <laughs> Sheldon Surrey, man. What a yeah. that guy had. He was unbelievable. Uh, but no, I thought you were going to say his laugh, uh, Jason Spezza's laugh. You know what? That's true. I guess if we're taking it off the ice, I got I got to <laughs> definitely go with the laugh. Um, okay, so last question to you. And so we have six Canadian teams or seven? Yep. Why am I? Seven. Eight? Yeah. So how many of them are in the playoffs next year? Let's be optimistic and say four. I think we can lock Toronto in. Um, I think we can lock Edmonton in. Yeah. Uh, I think that Calgary has a lot of question marks. Um, but at the same I think time, Edmonton like, has a lot of question marks. I mean, we didn't get into it that much, but they have like question marks on DN and in in between the pipes. So, oh, 100%. I, I just think show that how good McDavid is. Yeah. It's just if if you have McDavid and Drysdale, you're giving your chance your team a chance to be in the playoffs. The Pacific Division wasn't that deep this year i found um but i mean if i think that if calgary slips out you're giving an opportunity for vancouver to sneak in um but then they're gonna have to compete with vegas who should be a lot better next year they're gonna have to compete with uh the kings who are who are on the come up um you know and then you'll, you'll still have those those same names you'll have the nashville's you'll have the dallas kind of hovering yeah. around that uh that wild card spot um yeah. but i mean winnipeg I don't know what went wrong there, how it just went so terribly wrong because they didn't really change all that much. Um, so if they can get back to, if they can get a new coach in there, get some, you know, breath of fresh air, there's a chance they can get back to the playoff picture. Um, I think Montreal's a ways away. Um, yeah, Ottawa can maybe be competitive, but I think I Ottawa just, can make it next year. They just need, you know, I mean, it's not that the division is really hard right now. I mean, Boston, I don't know how good Boston's going to be. Montreal, we can watch them. Buffalo, too, they're kind of like in a weird transition as well. Well, that's so Ottawa, it. Ottawa could finish second or third in this division if they really, if they play well, you know? And yeah, I, I, part not, of it will depend on free agency, too, if they can get anybody. Um, yeah. But like you said, like I, I, I can see Detroit, I can see Buffalo both on the come up. I mean, we've been saying that about Buffalo for how many years now? And every year it's the same story, but maybe this year is the year where things change. Um, but at the same time, I think you're still going to see like five solid teams out of the Metro with, you know, the the Rangers, the Penguins, the Caps, the Wild, Kings. and if the Islanders can figure it out. Yeah, exactly. 
um, if the Islanders can figure it out. Because same thing, like, I mean, they were one game away from taking Tampa out two years ago. Yeah. And then everything just kind of went to crap. So the East is is tough. It's tough to play to to make it in. So it'll be it'll be interesting if the if the Habs can make it. I doubt it. The Habs won't be in for another three seasons. I think. I think three years is a yeah. good number. Um, no, they might make it on their third year, but I think we need to give them a three year build rebuild just to see what these guys will do. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit unrealistic to expect a similar rebuild that they had that Gordon had in uh, in New York because you don't just walk into an Adam Fox and a um, and Artemi Panarin every day, like, no. or you don't get a Jacob Truba that forces his way onto your team. Like, those are those are three pretty massive pieces to a, to any team. So um, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to take a little bit longer than than we you know fans are probably hoping for. But like you said, like I think that three years is a realistic timeline for when they can start being competitive again. Yeah, I mean, I hope so too. Uh, real quick, who do the Habs uh, draft first overall? I pick right personally i feel like everybody's going right i i have no idea i can't i've i haven't watched lafkowski play a fucking second that i'm aware of so i can't say anything but it's been the right's been the consensus for so long and not all of a sudden everybody's kind of second guessing that so we'll see what happens i mean bob mckenzie came out and i think slavkowski was number one right yeah so i mean the guy's huge but he's a winger I mean, it's just weird because, like, I don't really feel like Wright's done anything to hurt his stock, but maybe Slavkovsky's done more to really just raise it to the point where, you know, you got to have at least a seed of doubt in your mind. Maybe, um, but at, like, 6'5", whatever he is, 230 pounds, it's hard to ignore that kind of size. But the Habs have always oh, needed center. Shane Wright's a pure center, an excellent center at that. Everybody was willing to tank the season last year to get Wright number one overall. So let's do it. Hopefully the Habs do it on – Monday, I'll be interviewing um, Alex the intern. Well, interviewing Alex the intern are going to go through the draft, and we're going to see who who the Habs can take first, twenty sixth, thirty third, and then so on and so forth. And we're going to break it down that way. So, John, yeah. I appreciate you coming on for episode two of Summer of Terry. Man, it was fantastic. Uh, it's always nice to hear your uh, your intelligent insights on hockey that I don't have. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again, and uh, and we'll hopefully we'll get back on again soon.